Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Jamie Nelson, CIO at Hospital for Special Surgery. In part one, Nelson talks about why she felt it was important to remain on site throughout COVID to help support both IT and clinical staff, the challenge her team faced in staying focused on day-to-day projects and break-fix work while taking on a completely different patient population, what they're doing to digitize back office functions, and what it will mean going forward. We'll get to our interview in just a moment. First, please listen to a word from our sponsor. Your organization doesn't compromise on patient care, so why compromise on the endpoints you deploy? iGEL is the ultimate operating system for healthcare organizations using VDI, DAS, or SAS. And we're offering a free laptop on which to experience iGEL's no compromise OS. Just visit iGEL.com slash why compromise. Hi, Jamie. Thanks as always for your time. We always appreciate hearing about what's going on at HSS. So obviously everybody was hit by COVID in one way or another, but being an an epicenter like New York, uh, I would think that it really was very challenging to stay. I don't know if we spoke since then, but I came to the office every day because we do Mm -hmm. have a place in New York City. So I could walk up to work every day. I have two offices, one here at the hospital and our Mm -hmm. desktop team is right outside my door. And then I have my normal back down 49th street, third Avenue where the large IT team lives. But I came to work every day. We had to stop doing surgery since orthopedics is considered elective. And we retooled several of our ORs to turn them into ICUs. And we took COVID patients from New York Presbyterian. And you know, we thought we'd take COVID light patients. Well, there is no such thing as a COVID light patient in the height of the pandemic. So you know, we had respiratory, respirator patients. We had patients die. We, we don't have patients die here. Somebody gets really sick, we like take them on the, the uh, bridge over New York here and they, they handle that messy stuff. Yeah, that's not what we do. Yeah. But our clinicians just pivoted and do an amazing job. So it was a very, very unique time and a unique time in New York City. You know, you yes. walked down Fifth Avenue and it was broad daylight, empty. Yeah. Like the street was empty. So, so it's a totally different time. Yeah. And for you being there every day, obviously was a decision that you wanted to make, but was part of that just because there were others who did have to be there and you wanted to really- Well, there's two pieces. The first was out of respect for the clinicians who had to be here. And I'm a senior Mm -hmm. executive. So to me, supporting our clinical users and having visibility when they're on the floors, I think was important. We were making a lot of very fast changes. I can remember talking to one of our senior surgeons and saying, Jamie, we need an epic red, yellow, green in terms of whether somebody's COVID positive, pending or negative, you know, and we yeah. turn out in a day, but he and I met in the hallway and he gave mm-hmm. me his request to me. So there was something very immediate about supporting the clinicians, but I also had desktop staff. Yeah. And from my opinion, if they're in the line of fire, somebody else has to be. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I don't have small kids at home. You know, yeah. I, I could take the risk of being out here where some of my younger uh, managers have families and, and, and different things going on. So I felt it was supportive, not only of our clinicians, but of the, the staff here who came every day. I mean, I was with them. We got suited up, you know, going and getting those ICUs we were building, getting the computers there, working with the teams. So I, I was out there with them because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I believe Kate leading from the front yeah. or leading maybe not. Yes. From the front. Cause others are at the front with you, not yeah. in the front, but at the front. 
Yeah. yeah. I like how you put that. So obviously I know that some things had to be, you know, delayed, postponed, but at what point was it time to kind of start moving forward with those projects? And, and was there anything in particular where you decided like, okay, we have to move forward with this, or did you try to keep going throughout? Well, it's interesting because, you know, there were financial pressures because our book of business dried up. Yeah. Although we had relief and I'm sure we built for these COVID patients, it's not the same revenue as that we had budgeted for with our, our below orthopedic surgeries. So that was, that slowed some things down. I mean, some things accelerated being able to move people to remote and, and really build up our infrastructure for remote work accelerated, telehealth accelerated. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of things kept going and went faster. Digital kept moving because our CEO felt like that can't, we can't let digital fall behind. So a lot of the digital initiatives moved forward. Things like ERP slowed mm-hmm. down because that's a big focus for us now. But I would say about a year ago, mm-hmm. just, I feel like somebody once said COVID is this wrinkle in time. But I would say about a year ago, we really came back full force. You know, patients started coming back, revenue was coming back. Um, So we started to move forward with these important projects, including the development of a new building that we're putting up right adjacent to the hospital, a new inpatient tower. So I I would say about a year ago, we were able to get funding and really move forward with projects. Our teams were very busy during COVID because there was so much break, fix, just build stuff to do. You know, our clinical systems were still being very actively used. Um, Again, supporting telehealth, rebuilding ambulatory functions is epic because when you, you know, we co-located surgeons. So making those moves, making moves so offices had social distancing protocols in place, that's all built in epic. Yeah. So our teams were so busy just with the normal day-to-day projects that it didn't feel like anything slowed down. But, you know, the the really bigger things, I think, started to come back about a year ago. Okay. And ERP was one of those? Yeah. So like many institutions, you know, we put a lot of time and resources into clinical. I think we're live with Epic six years now. So that was a that was a really big deal, and we did soup to nuts, uh, rev cycle every single ancillary. If Epic had it, we implemented it. So it was a very big implementation, and we were really coming from the Stone Ages before that. So, um, but we hadn't touched ERP, and Lawson, which is our current on-prem solution, announced that I think by 2026 they would not be supporting the version that we're on any longer. And we we knew we had to do an ERP because there's just stuff we don't have. Mm-hmm. So we do not have a way. We have a new CNO and he was trying to send an announcement to every nurse in the house. We don't really have a way through an HRIS to identify yeah. every nurse so he can right. then send an email to them. We, the capabilities just are not there with some patchwork legacy systems, which have not been prioritized. Yeah. So about a year ago, we began the search in earnest, and hopefully we will get a contract signed this week, the, the Bedroom Choices Workday, um, which we're very excited about. But that will take another two and a half years by the time we get through a phase zero, do a lot of yeah. just cleanup, you know, almost back to the epic days of decision days. You know, yeah. we have to make some fundamental choices about how we're going to construct the system, what functions we, you know, right now there's a great example. Everybody badges it. Mm-hmm. So I badge in every day, even though I'm exempt from overtime, do we still want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why did we do that 10, 15 years ago? And is it worth 
the headache for the poor admins who have to, or timekeepers who have to track us down if we forget to badge it. So those sorts of, do we still want to do business in a certain way? And then just clean up item master, you know, all the supply chain stuff. So uh, it's going to be very exciting. So we have uh, phase zero is probably going to take six or nine months and then we start the importation. So very, very exciting. And really digitizing mm-hmm. back office function for many users. And then for yeah. staff, I, I was explaining to somebody today, it's going to be like having your banking on your phone. Mm-hmm. So you can see, you'll see your paycheck. You'll see how many days off you have. You're going to be able to put in a, you know, oh, we moved. Oh, I'm married now. So being able to do a lot of this in a mobile first digital framework is going to be wonderful for all of our end users. And then all the things you can do in the background with a much more modern cloud-based architecture is going to be um, really a game-changing for the organization. So. Yeah, it's it's something that because we are used to things like banking is seems like it should be <laughs> that's how the way things should be. But these systems have been the same for a long time, so it's going to be interesting. But I, like you said, it's going to be so much more efficient. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just as always a matter of prioritization. Certain things take precedence, and mm-hmm. obviously, I'm here now ten years. I'm in my eleventh year. Amazing, um, but there were in IT we had to rebuild the whole physical infrastructure. We had to put in, uh, obviously, a, a clinical and revenue cycle, modern system, um, and many, many other things in the interim. And now, you know, digitizing the whole uh, supply chain, finance, and HR functions is, you know, the next next big thing. So very exciting. Yeah, it is. And I imagine that will play a role when you're talking about new construction, new buildings, and just some of the way that the things are laid out differently now. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're very excited because we're really thinking hospital of the future for the new building. Mm-hmm. And what we're actually doing is playing with the technologies in this building. So we're not going to a brand new building and trying technologies and oops, they don't really work. And right, so right. we're having fun playing with them here. So when that building is open, we can really have sort of a, a very technology first patient mm-hmm. experience. So, and it's interesting because I'm sure you read about Amazon and One Medical. Mm-hmm. And I was at uh, a Salesforce function the day that was announced. And one of the speakers was a clinician from One Medical in New York City. Oh, really? And she refused to comment on the, the acquisition, but she was right. talking about what attracted her as a clinician to One Medical is that it's really a technology company that delivers healthcare. Mm. So I'm thinking that our new building is kind of the like a very tech enabled building that's delivering, you know, fabulous orthopedic healthcare. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.